it's very simple to look back at the history books and say, this was the moment. This was the moment that soccer changed forever. And then something amazing happens. And throughout history, there have been countless moments that have changed soccer into what we know it to be today. Things like the offside rule, uh, passback rule to goalkeepers, uh, different tactical evolutions, different coaches, different players that have just changed the game. And right now is a moment in history where people are going to look back and talk about it as the beginning of a new era. Prepare for a soccer coaching revolution. Come with me on a journey to discover the latest methods, techniques, and tactics that will transform you into a more effective coach, player, or soccer parent. Whether you're a seasoned coach or a beginner, growth never stops. I'm Sega Brabinovich, and this is Soccer Coaching Mastermind. So there were no EPL games this weekend, and because of that, there's really nothing to talk about from an EPL standpoint. Oh, wait. Yes, there is. One of the most historical uh, things that has happened in the EPL happened this weekend, and it was that Everton became the first club in the league's history to get deducted points for breaching financial rules. And that's huge. Uh, That really sets a precedent now uh, for what is going to, I think, snowball. Uh, There are lots of other clubs who are sweating at this point. Uh, Let's talk about some details. So they were deducted uh, 10 points, which is huge, by the way. 10 points is a lot uh, in the EPL. Every point is just a fight. Um, especially with how close the table is. On top of that, the reason uh, was mainly due to overspending. So this goes under the uh, profitability and sustainability rules. And it's tough. You know, on the one hand, you you need them to get punished, right? You do something wrong, you got to get punished. Simple as that. But on the other hand, who's really getting punished, you know? The people who made this mistake, let's call it a mistake. I don't know if it was a mistake or, you know, they meant to do it. You you, you never know. I don't know. But the people responsible, they're not the ones that are paying for it. The people that are paying for it the most are the players, the fans, right? And those people have nothing to do with these decisions, right? The players, they have nothing to do with this decision, but now... They're in the relegation zone, right? Relegation battle. We're almost in December. That is not where you want to be, right, at this point in the season. And the fans, they, they have no input here. They're just, they got to nod their head and say, okay, that's not good enough. So it's tough to just kind of say, well, you deserve it. Here's a, you know, it, and it's not even a slap on the wrist. These are handcuffs, Right. This is a really, really bad situation for Everton. Now, are they going to get out of the relegation zone? I think so. But 10 points makes a difference, right? We're talking about Europa League, Champions League, right? 10 points can get you there. And minus 10 points, you're in trouble, right? They're talking about financial issues, not getting into 
the Europa League or the Champions League, that's just going to expedite what is inevitable at this point. And that is that the money is just going to keep going down, right? Uh, so uh, I feel really bad for the players and the fans of Everton. And what I do think, though, is that now that this is kind of out and about, it's hopefully we're going to see this a lot more. And I say that because more teams have been, let's use the word fudging, right? A little bit messing it up. They've been kind of messing with the rules a little bit and they haven't been punished yet. But I think now is the time everyone needs to get punished this season so that next season we can start fresh. All the teams that have been doing these dodgy little deals know that the Premier League is serious. And then moving forward, everyone kind of has that expectation because setting an example with Everton, I don't know if it really does that if other teams, I don't want to say names, but they get away with it too. So uh, just kind of got to go both ways, right? But uh, yeah, I feel really bad for Everton and, and what the fans and, and the players are going through at the moment. But let's talk about some games. Uh, this weekend, our 2015s played, our 2013s played, and our 2011s played. Two of those games went, I think, well. Uh, our 2015s, for the first time, really started to kind of play as a team. Again, a lot of these players have come up with the philosophy of 1v1, right? And the goals that were scored in that game were a direct result of that. Now, we were starting to move that ball. We did have more possession. We had 56% possession, which is great. This is the first time this team has been able to outpossess the other team, which is a really good sign. Now, this doesn't mean we change everything and go right to, you know, pass, receive, pass, receive, pass, receive, possession, possession. No, no, no. We're now going to continue this kind of 1v1 possession, 1v1 possession, and just mess with it a little bit, right? So 60% possession, 40% 1v1s. And then once we start kind of seeing that balance of we're keeping the ball at around 60%, then we can change that back to, you know, 50-50, right? Because that's where we want to sit. I want to sit at 60% possession. Anything over that means we're not going for it enough. Anything under that means we have a little bit more work to do, right? That we're just not controlling the game. 60% is a great stat that I believe in. And when I look at the uh, 2011 game, the 2011s, they started, they played, in my opinion, the best game they have this year, uh, which was great. I mean, we lost, but uh, the reason we lost was because we just didn't really get... We Sorry, we made a lot of mistakes. That's why. We made a lot of mistakes in the back. Uh, by the second half, uh, our goalkeeper hurt his finger, so he couldn't play, so we put a player in who just was not a goalkeeper. Uh, and there was a four-minute window in that first half where we just lost concentration. Uh, and they scored, I think, like three goals within those four minutes. But other than that, we played really well. Uh, really good goal. Our 2013s, the team that has performing the best so far, they struggled this weekend. And we lost 
two players who were a key role, who had a key role on the team. And now we just kind of have to figure out, you know, how do we go from here? So the 2013s are going to need to find their identity again, right? Um, They're brothers, twins. And, you know, at that point, when you lose two players that have become a key part of your philosophy, whether they're playing wingers, midfield, center mid, and it's a 7v7 game, it makes things very difficult to lose two players at that level. So uh, that's going to be a team that, you know, I think uh, is going to need to start to find a new identity. Well, I'm really excited about today's show because we're going to talk about something uh, really unique that's going on in the world that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to. And that's something called Kings League. Now, Kings League is an unsanctioned league. It's owned and operated by PK. He started this league. And it's a professional league. But what's really interesting is that it's indoor and it's 7v7. So there are so many reasons that I love this. And we're going to get into all of those. But the biggest issue, I think, in youth soccer is that when you get into the 7v7, 9v9 game, there isn't really anyone to look up to, right? In the 11v11 game, you can look, you, you've got so many coaches around the world that are doing amazing things with tactics, you know, uh, just the philosophy of how they play. Um, but you don't really get that with the 7v7, 9v9 game. It just doesn't exist in the professional game. So you don't really get to see different coaches doing different things. And when you're coaching on the field, you know, you don't really... It's, it's hard to analyze the other team and really go into the detail that you want to create that system. So this Kings League is really good because you're getting to see adults, professionals, a lot of time ex-professionals, right? Um, Casillas was uh, uh, in, in some of the games that I saw. He kind of has ownership of, uh, of a team. So he plays... Um, and Ronaldinho played in a couple of games. There, There's just a lot of ex-pros and players that are just at a very high level playing the 7v7 game. So you really get to see tactics that you just don't normally see in the youth game. And it's just allowed me to expand kind of my horizons and really see you know, what the level of play is, what it should look like. And that's really an awesome, I think, just all around kind of giving more exposure to the 7v7 game. Now, we can talk about that as, you know, something amazing, but that's not world changing, you know, that'll affect youth coaches. And there's a lot of other things like that on a very small scale that I'm going to start with. And then I'll end off on why this has such an impact on the whole world. But the other really cool thing that they're doing is they've got three different leagues. So they've got this Kings League, they've got this Queens League, and then they've got Princes League, right? So there's a women, sorry, a Princes Tournament. There's a Women's League or a tournament, I'm not 100% sure. But the Princes Tournament is really, really interesting. And I watched, I think, most of those games. It's a tournament, I'm not sure the age group, but they're kids, right? They're playing 7v7. And it was so interesting to watch because these kids are mini professionals. And what I mean by that is the way that they interact with the refs, 
with the other players, with the coaches, with the environment is exactly what I would imagine a pro doing at the younger age group, right? So you still get, you know, these moments of kids being kids, you know, a kid throwing a, you know, a, a, you know, just, you know, throwing his hands up in the air, you know, a, a kid crying here and there. But the way that they handle themselves, you know, when they score a goal, it's very professional. Like they go to the corner flag, they do a celebration, that type of thing. You know, the way they're talking to each other, the way they move off the ball, it just looks like a professional game. There are three refs, you know, it, it's just, you know, at the beginning, the ref kind of lines the players up, they go, you know, high five, that type of thing, exactly like the professional game. And it's really interesting. So seeing that alone also, I think will have an impact, right? Again, smaller impact from that point of view. Now let's talk about the larger implications of what this league is doing that will change soccer. It's a fact. One is kind of medium scale. One is kind of, I think, just revolutionary. So let's talk about that medium scale. The rules in this game is completely different. It's completely different. It's like a video game. That's the best way I can explain it. It's like a video game because at first, you've got this contraption on top of the uh, of the field, right? And it's a smaller field. It's a 7v7 field. And it's a box. And in the box is the ball. And there's a countdown. And then the ball drops and they play. And I love that. That's very street ball-like. You know, drop the ball and let's play. So... That kickoff in the beginning is a fight for the ball, essentially. Love it. Before the game starts, the coaches get to pick a card, right? And in the card is an advantage. So there are different types of advantages, and they can be played, I think, throughout the whole game. Now, the, pr- the problem that I'm having with this is that it's in, uh, it's in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, so... It's hard for me to figure out a lot of these rules, um, but uh, yeah, you can tell like uh, the more you watch the games, what's going on. So one of the rules I think was uh, a man advantage. I think they are they have one of my favorite ones, and I could be wrong on that. Uh, but one that's really cool is two times a goal. So if you score a goal, then it counts as two, and they have that for two minutes now. Things like that, they completely change the game because that team is now fully focused on attack because within two minutes, that goal is worth more, right? And there are so many other cards that have a big impact on the game. Now, this is something really cool. I think it's at the end of the second quarter or something like that. They have a giant dice, and I mean giant. It's like it's the size of these kids, the dice. They throw it off the balcony where the fans are, and whatever number comes up, that's the number of players that play against each other. So I'm not sure for how long. might be five minutes. But if the dice lands at two, then it's 2v2. If the dice lands at four, it's 4v4. And how incredible is that? There was a game where a team was down 4-1. 
and 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 then the dice came out and it was two against two so they had a goalkeeper and a player so it was essentially a 1v1 and in that moment for whatever amount of time that they were playing that the other team caught up and tied the game like how awesome is that and what great developmental opportunities within the game I just think it's completely revolutionary. Now, they also have uh, penalty shots, right? Where it's kind of like the old style MLS where it's a breakaway. So you do it that way. Um, but a lot of small changes that to the game that I think are really good. Uh, they play with offsides, which I thought was interesting. I'm pretty sure the U.S. plays with offsides. I could be wrong at 7v7, but I think they do, which I love. Um, they play with throw-ins again, and the U.S. does this as well. I love that. But what I loved when I watched the Princes League is they play with throw-ins, but they don't stop the game when there's a fall throw. And that might be a little controversial, but their kids let them play. The most important part of that throw-in part is let's learn how to take a throw-in, not from the thrower's point of view, but from the player's point of view. Let's experience it, and let's have a lot of experiences with that. The other really cool thing is the size of the net. The 7v7 nets that we use are very tiny. Those 7v7 nets are gigantic. So these kids are firing the ball from half, um, from you know, just places that they, sh- they, they would have no business taking a shot from. And again, what does that do? Shooting, shooting repetition. These kids can hit the ball. They look up and they see a dream, right? They're they're on a major platform and they have this opportunity to take a shot from an outrageous distance and score. And it gives them the confidence to shoot. And they do that often. There was a player within three minutes that took seven shots in three minutes in a game that just doesn't happen. So from a developmental point alone, this is incredible, right? And if house leagues were run this way, first of all, it's a lot more fun, I think. It's really cool. Um, just from an entertainment point of view, it makes a lot more sense. I think rather than the kids just dropping a ball and just kind of go play, um, there are so many ways to make this a great development opportunity for kids that I think it should be considered. So uh, lots of implications there. But... The biggest implication is from an overall point of how the league is run. And this is the only league that I know of that runs this way. And I think they've stumbled onto something that we're going to start to see in the future. So traditionally, how do leagues make money, right? They make money through advertising, right? And through TV deals, right? So if you have something like the EPL, then the EPL will get a deal with specific broadcasters and they will sign over the rights to have them come into the stadium and, you know, put the games live. Now, that's been traditionally what I think every single league in sports does. But this league took a 
different approach. What Kings League does is it's taking the streaming route. And I think it's the first one to do it. I could be wrong, but I think it's the first one to do it. And they're putting games live on YouTube, on TikTok, on so many different platforms, and they're gaining subscribers, and they're gaining views. And that's how they're making their money, right? Because as I'm sure you know, there are people out there who make a great living and are very, very wealthy simply by just being YouTubers or influencers. And what's great about this model is that you're not capped. And I love that. Everything from a business point of view that I love is not capped. And what I mean by that is when you sign a contract with, uh, you know, I don't know, Sky Sports, right? There is a cap. Now, there might be bonuses and stuff like that in it, but there's a cap. There's only a certain amount you can make, and that's a max. With YouTube, you make as much as you are popular. So the more popular that this league gets, the more money they make. And they're not relying on anyone. You could argue YouTube, but is YouTube going anywhere? Uh, Probably not. But even if it is, they're on other platforms too, and they're making money off that. So it's a really interesting model. Now imagine this. You're sitting at home and you want to watch your favorite team in the world play, right? For me, it's Manchester City. And I go to, I'm with, you know, Bell or Rogers or Sprint or whatever. I don't know. Um, And I turn on the channel and the game's not there. And you're frustrated that the game is not there, but there's nothing you can do. Or you have to pay $20 to go to Fubo or DAZN. And you're paying $20 every month. What if instead you could get that, but you'd get it for free? All you have to do is subscribe to your favorite team or your favorite league and all the games were there. Now the audience grows because it could be anyone in the world that's looking for it. And I think one of the greatest examples of that that could utilize this is a team like Wrexham, right? I think at this point, everyone has heard of the documentary that was done by Wrexham and it's just gaining popularity. We see the influence of social media in that team specifically, right? They're a very low uh, league type team. So they're not in the English Premier League. They're very low down the line, but they have a lot of followers. And if they took the approach of YouTube rather than TV deals, broadcasting deals, which I don't think they can because I think you're restricted to kind of follow what the uh, league does, then now people who are following the documentary could go in and follow their games and and watch their games and they would get views and they would get millions and millions of views because of their popularity. And it just allows everyone to be as good as they are. 
And what I mean by that is based on the effort that you put into marketing, based on the effort that you put into your teams, the entertainment value, all that, that is going to determine how successful you are financially because now it's not like that. If you're part of the EPL, you get EPL money. That's it. If you're part of you know, uh, La Liga, you get La Liga money. And it doesn't matter who you are. There's no differentiation. It's just the league struck up this deal and that's, you know, sit, quiet, take your money and stop talking, right? But if you now put this in the club's hands, you're going to start to see clubs that are very low in the table, clubs that aren't in the first league, able to start to compete because now their revenues that are coming in are coming on from a different stream and they're able to use that to fund things like getting better players. Now, what's great is that this is something that you can do with your club, right? How do, how do we do this? Well, VO is a great way to do that. VO records the games. You don't need to do anything, right? You don't need the production of different camera people and all this amazing stuff I think that King's League is doing. But you have the VO, you record the game, download it, paste it on YouTube, put highlights in all these different social media networks, and suddenly you now have the ability to do this. Now with VO, you can also, there's a way to uh, do live games and stuff like that. So VO is kind of that beginner's platform that will allow you to do that. Now, I think VO has plans to create situations where um, they can charge, you can charge for live events, right? And I think that's really where the future of sports will be. So it's a really cool idea, and we're just starting to see it because of the success of Kings League. Now, the entertainment value of Kings League is incredible what's going on there. The way they've set this up is really like a video game. The managers of the clubs are in these boxes, and they're not on the box like in professional sports where they're at the top of the building and no one sees them and you know the camera kind of pans a little bit here and there. No, no. They are field level. Each of them are in their own corner, their team's corner, in their own box, which has a glass that you can see them from. On top of that, there is a giant um, like TV screen, right, where uh, just a lot of different things come up during the game. But there's always a camera on them, and you can always see their reaction to things. On top of that, because it's kind of this LED screen that uh, I don't know technology that well, but um, this kind of ever-changing screen they put random things in their ads, right? Fantastic. Uh, the countdowns, any uh, any cards that come up. So what I mean by cards are, you know, uh, the two times is a goal, those types of things. And it's really an entertainment environment. And you just, you don't know what's going to happen next, which makes this so incredible. Now, the crowd is on 
a balcony, right? So they're not field level, which I actually love. I went to Chelsea. Uh, when I went to Chelsea uh, for that week, I went to one of their games. And it's so frustrating to say this because I sat pitch level. And it was the seats were too good. You know, they were too good because I couldn't see the I really couldn't see how the formation tactics, all this because I was pitch level. So if the closest you can get is at a level where you can see formation and and all this amazing stuff, that to me is great. It's in an indoor facility, which I love. I love the fact that the game is indoors. That's great because for us in Canada, it's cold a lot. And it sucks that it's nighttime at four o'clock. You know, there is no sun. So things like that are a really great way to get the game playing consistently at just an incredible entertainment value. I mean, if you're closed in, you're not worried about the elements. So the amount of technology that you can put in is just at a different level. You don't have to worry about snow, rain, hail, uh, you know, anything from that nature. So there's so many amazing things that Kings League is doing. And I really think it's ahead of its time right now. And I think in 20, 30 years from now, this is going to be the norm. You're seeing a lot of TV shows that are being canceled. You just are. And it's because ads on TV are just going down. You know, people don't really watch TV anymore. They stream, you know, things like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. There's a lot of other ways to stream TV shows, you know, on the Internet, you know, all all these things. So these studios are just not finding ad revenue as easy. And when YouTube is such a big platform and it's very easy for them to find ad revenue, why not just go that route? Why? Why not? And imagine a situation where anyone in the world that anywhere, anywhere in the world can watch your team. It's not like that now. Technically, yes, but they have to pay for it. What if they didn't have to pay for it? What if it's the ad companies that are the ones paying for it? Right? You've now given the power to the people who matter most, and that's the fans. What a concept. What a concept. Now, if you haven't watched Kings League, I urge you to watch it. And I urge you to watch and start with Prince's Prince's Tournament. I urge you to start with that because the kids and the way that is run, I could watch that all day. I mean, that to me was more entertaining than the adults. The adults are really great to watch the tactics, but to see these kids play at such a high level, it's it's incredible. Um, and it just makes the game more fun to watch overall. This week, the training session is going to look a little different. Now, as you know, I absolutely love rondos. I love them so much. But there is one part of the rondos that I don't think players are getting enough repetition of. And I've talked about scanning, so let's not talk about scanning. But 
for me, receiving is the most important part when you're doing anything team related. So I think receiving is more important than passing simply because if you can't receive the ball properly, it doesn't matter how good your teammate is at passing, right? You can't hold on to the ball properly. You can't set yourself up to make a good pass. So for me, receiving is very important. And I think your team has to be at a very high level to do that. And in my opinion, the highest level of receiving is being able to receive the ball while you're moving, right? So the simplest form of receiving is receiving the ball without moving. So theoretically, if your player is very, very good at receiving the ball while moving, then everything else becomes very easy. So that's what we're going to be training. And unfortunately, in the rondos, I don't see that as often as I should. So the players are really kind of moving side to side in the rondos. And when they're receiving the ball side to side, that's only one type of movement. What we don't have a lot of is forwards and back. And you can argue that if you do a four, sorry, a 5v2 and you stick a player in the middle, then you can. Yeah, I agree with that. But I really want to create a situation where the action of movement forward, backward, side to side is consistent and the ball is being played to the player as they're making that move. And I think that alone should increase the level at which our players are able to receive the ball, right? And if you can receive the ball at a high uh, at a high level, I think you can also pass the ball at a high level because you should be, your body shape should be in the same position, right? And you're using the same part of the foot to pass and receive. So for me, I think that's going to be the first skill uh, that we're really going to work at. So what we're going to do is we're going to split the session uh, 50-50. It's going to be 50% of that and then 50% kind of 1v1, 2v2 type of atmosphere where uh, the players are, again, going back into the moves, doing 1v1s, 2v2s, and then the other half is really working on uh, the ability to receive the ball while on the move. So uh, what's really great about breaking it in half is that, again, you're dividing players by skill level. So I really love that. And the more we can divide players, the better it is. So we're going to be working in groups of three. And that alone will allow you to put players together that are of the same likeness, right? So we talk about likeness being same level of play. Now, these are not activities that I came up with myself. As I've talked about before, that's not how you start. You start by finding something you really like and copying it. And then from there, changing it. Once you've done it 20, 30, 40 times, you'll start to see things. But the coaching points are the things that I'm really going to be focusing on. And that's really going to be the part of the foot uh, that you receive it with. Um, and also which foot to receive it with. And body shape, right? So body shape is going to be a really big part of this as well. Uh, so I'm really excited to kind of see how this goes. And for the first time, I'm going to be using some equipment that I haven't used 
before. So I'm going to be using uh, my BlazePod. BlazePod is just a thing that uh, shows different colors. So that's going to introduce the scanning element. I also bought some new uh, cones that are, they kind of just kind of rise up uh, so they so that the players can kind of touch that uh, and kind of check in and out. And that's really where we're going to get that movement of forward, backward, side to side. And we're just going to put them under different types of situations where they're receiving the ball in just kind of different body shapes. And we're just going to let them kind of figure it out. And what I mean by that is it's a really exploratory phase of, of the training. And I love that, right? We do this with our 1v1s where we start by teaching the players the move and we break it down step by step in enormous detail. And then we throw them into this chaotic environment where they're forced to use this move against an opponent and they have to figure it out. They have the basics down and then they have to use their body and figure out how it can work by doing this move. And it's the same thing with receiving. We're going to put them, we're going to teach them step by step how to receive the ball properly. And then we're just going to overload their system with different ways, very chaotic. And chaotic, in my opinion, just kind of means a lot of things thrown at them, right? So uh, Barcelona calls, it uses the word stimuli, right? It's a lot of different stimuli on them, right? So uh, I'm going to have two balls coming at them. We're going to have lights behind them. So there's going to be a lot of things going on. And the idea is it's got to become automatic the way that they receive it while they're moving, right, without the ball. So that's something that we're really going to be working towards by the end of the week and probably even longer than that. We have a lot of players that are just coming into the academy. Uh, so those players need a lot of this type of training. So really excited to kind of see how players respond to it and move from there because it's, it's not something that they're used to. Everything that we do is a type of game, 1v1, 2v2, rondos, right? These are all games. This is a little bit more structured. So it's not something that we've done often, but I think it'll be a really good change of pace for the players. This weekend, we have four games within our academy. Our 2014s are playing, then 2012s all the way to 2010s are playing. So 2012, 2011, and 2010s are playing. Unfortunately, I won't be at the 2014 game, who I was really excited to watch, um, but I have to do a course that is mandated by Ontario Soccer, and this was the only day that they do it, So, uh, and, and it was the only time. So it's going to be, I think, like a four or five hour course, something like that. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but until next week, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments, but most importantly, enjoy the game.